Welcome to episode 143 of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast for January 19th, 2010. My name is David, and I'm a Fred. this week's episode of the Fredcast, the Road Rage Doctor gets what's coming to him. A couple of product recalls, some pro cycling news, Titus having a human billboard contest, Missy Giovi pleads guilty, and Kathleen King debuts her new mural in Atascadero, California. Plus, versus versus DirecTV, your feedback on cycling with headphones, a Facebook hate group controversy, and a product review of the Sci-Fi Wireless Speaker. So sit back, relax, and if you're riding your bike, hammer just a little bit harder because here comes the Fredcast. Hey, fellow Freds, welcome back to another year and another episode of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Great to have you back with us. Great to be sitting back here behind the microphone. I can't believe the professional cycling season has already started, but that's all right. We'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, I want to just take a couple of minutes to thank some people who have helped support the Fredcast. Starting with our main sponsor tonight, EpicPlanet.tv. We've talked about the Epic Rides videos here on the Fredcast before, and I have to thank Epic Planet for stepping up and sponsoring this episode of the Fredcast and offering you a great deal that they're calling the Fredcast Epic Tucson bundle, and you can get this at www.epicplanet.tv slash fredcast underscore bundle, or if that's too difficult to remember, just go to the show notes and go to the webpage at www.thefredcast.com and check it out. It's epicplanet.tv slash fredcast underscore bundle. What is it? Well, it is two great videos for a great price. You're going to get both Epic Tucson Mount Lemon, which is a 70-minute training ride on DVD or available as an iTunes-compatible digital download, plus a 45-minute training ride called the Epic Tucson Saguaro East, also on DVD or available as an iTunes-compatible digital download. Now, normally, if you were going to buy both of these separately, it would cost you close to $60. Instead, just for listeners of the Fredcast, just for you, Epic Planet is making these available for $39.95, a $19.95 savings. $39.95 to get the DVD or $39.95 to get the digital downloads. Go to epicplanet.tv slash fredcast underscore bundle to take advantage of this day, this deal today, because it is a limited time offer. And I've got to tell you, I've been getting bored with some of the stuff I've been doing on my trainer, and I've been doing the Epic Rides videos and have enjoyed every minute. I said it once before, I will say it again there videography is simply gorgeous and the way that they work in workouts and intervals in some spectacular locations just keeps you glued to your TV or your computer monitor or to your big screen on the wall while you are sweating and staying in shape during the winter months. Again, epicplanet.tv slash fredcast underscore bundle, $39.95 for two fantastic Epic Planet videos Get yours today. This is a limited time offer. Now, in addition to Epic Planet, I also want to thank you for supporting the Fredcast. I told you during your holiday shopping to click on those Amazon links and all the other links at thefredcast.com to do your holiday shopping or even now to go and buy your airplane tickets through Delta, who's also stepped up to be an affiliate sponsor of the Fredcast, or to buy your iTunes music or to simply click and donate to the Fredcast. Many of you have been doing that. Very much appreciated. Please keep it up. Every little bit counts and keeps the Fredcast doing what we love and you love best. Go to www.thefredcast.com to donate or click on any of those links. Thank you so much for your support. And now let's get into episode 143 of the Fredcast. Our first story of the night is a little bit of sweet justice for cyclists, especially those in Southern California who were rocked on July 4th, 2008, when, well, at that time, allegedly, but now he's been convicted, Dr. Christopher Thompson, 60 years old, slammed on his brakes intentionally in front of two cyclists, causing them to collide. 
a very high rate of speed into the back of his car, nearly killing the two cyclists. Thank goodness that didn't happen, but causing serious injuries to both cyclists. And as you know, he was recently convicted of mayhem, assault with a deadly weapon, meaning his car, battery with serious injury, and reckless driving causing injury. Well, earlier this month, he was sentenced by Los Angeles County Superior Court Judge Scott T. Millington, who called the case, quote, a wake-up call to motorists and cyclists, and at the same time urged local government to provide riders with more bike lanes. He was sentenced to five years in prison. The maximum in the case possible for the driver was 10 years. In handing down the sentence, the judge said that he did not take into account the hundreds of emails and letters from cyclists that were filed with the court, all of which, as you can imagine, urged a tough sentence. At his sentencing, the doctor, or the former doctor in this case, Thompson, was quoted as saying, quote, I would like to apologize deeply, profoundly, from the bottom of my heart. All of this, he said, while cuffed appropriately to a chair in the courtroom. You'll recall that the doctor called this a, quote, tragic accident the cyclist calling it intentional assault. Thank goodness this doctor is on his way to the big house where for five years he can contemplate what he did and how he could have killed those two cyclists that day. Well, as I like to do here on the Fredcast, anytime I find a product recall in the cycling industry, I like to bring it to you. And the first that I've got for you, I've got two for you tonight, is for 2010 Redline Conquest Pro Bikes and Frame Sets. And there were about 350 of these produced and distributed by Seattle Bike Supply of Kent, Washington. And the problem here, as we hear all too often in these uh, recalls, is that the bike's fork legs can separate from the fork crown and cause the rider to lose control, posing, what else, a risk of serious injury if the rider falls. SBS is aware of three reports of forks separating with minor injuries reported in each, pardon me, in one of those incidents. Now, this recall involves all 2010 Redline Conquest Pro Cyclocross Bikes and Frame Sets, and they were sold in pearl, white, and blue. They have aluminum frames with carbon fiber forks and aluminum steerer tubes. They were sold at specialty bike stores nationwide here in the United States between August of 2009 and November of 2009, prime cyclocross season, for about $1,900 for the bike or about $550 just for the frame set and they were manufactured in Taiwan. As with all of these kinds of recalls, you should immediately stop using the recalled bikes and frame sets, contact your local Redline bike dealer to receive a free inspection, and where necessary, a fork replacement. For additional information, you can contact Redline Bicycles at 800-283-2453. That's 1-800-283-2453. Or go to their website at redlinebicycles.com. And of course, I've got a link in the show notes as well as to the Consumer Product Safety Commission's specific site devoted to this recall. Next up is another recall, this one for inflators, CO2 inflators for your tires. This one uh, uh, takes into account about 24,000 CO2 bike tire inflators uh, imported by Todson of North Attleboro, Massachusetts, but marketed under the name Zephyl. If you're not familiar, that's Z-E-F-A-L, although I bet most of you are familiar with that name. Here's the problem. The pressurized cartridge containing the CO2 could forcefully separate from the pump. (laughs) Imagine that, pausing a risk of injury to the consumer. So far, they have no reports of incidents or injuries. And the recall involves Zephyl CO2 bike tire inflators with a small pressurized carbon dioxide cartridge. The metal cartridge is threaded into the inflator head, which allows for the controlled release of CO2 into the inner tube. And recalled inflators have Zephyl EZ Plus CO2 inflator printed on the front of the package. Model numbers 5602 and UPC number 79861556020 printed on the back, sold exclusively at Walmart stores from August 2009 through November 2009 for about $15. Bottom line here is if you've got a Zephyl CO2 inflator that you bought at Walmart this late summer or early fall, better get it checked out. 
Basically, you should stop using the inflator immediately and return it to Walmart for a full refund. Any questions, you can call Todson at 800-213-4561. That's 800-213-4561 or visit their website or the Consumer Product Safety Commission's specific website set up for this recall, and there is a link in the show notes. Well, the 2010 Winter Olympics are getting set to be starting in Vancouver, Canada in just about three weeks' time. And a listener sent me a story that that I had missed that ties bicycles to the 2010 Winter Olympics. Usually you think of bikes when you think of the Summer Olympics. Well, apparently the Dutch government had planned to bring about 400 all-weather bicycles to Canada to be available at the Holland Heineken House. That's the Dutch Hospitality Center in Richmond. Uh, And they were going to be used for fans to go to the nearby Olympic Oval for speed skating events or to just cycle around Vancouver. Also, the Dutch staff at Heineken House would be able to use these bikes to pedal back and forth to their hotels each day. The plan was that these 400 bikes would then be left in Canada after the Games to be donated to local charities. And during the time that they were there, during the Games, they would be used to also support and promote cycling in Canada. As we all know, the Netherlands is probably one of the most cycling-friendly countries in the world, and so it just makes sense that as part of their Olympic uh, as part of their Olympic presence, they would do what they could to help promote cycling. And then, I think it's a nice gesture, leave these 400 bikes and donate them to local charities. The problem is, I guess regular Canadian law would say that if you brought sporting equipment into the country, it should be taxed, just like any other item would be dutiable when you import it into the country. So they created an exception in Canadian law for the Olympics saying that sporting equipment brought into the country for the Olympic Games could be brought in, taxed or duty-free, as long as it was then exported out of the country after the Olympic Games. As a result, these 400 bikes were going to be subject to a tax by Canadian authorities. Kind of silly, in my opinion. But after a while, Canadian authorities eventually relented. Well, at least in part, saying that the Dutch authorities could leave 25 out of the 400 bikes in the country without paying tax or duty, but the other 375 needed to be sent back to the Netherlands after the Games. This just goes to prove one thing. Those of you here in the United States who complain about our government and our tax laws, just know that our friends north of the border have similar issues. Well, from the Olympics, which really have in a lot of ways become professional sport, although I still consider them amateur sport, to professional cycling, it is time for the professional cycling season of 2010 to begin. That, by the way, is why the Fredcast is back. But before we get into that first major international UCI event of the year, a couple of pieces of news for you, starting with the 2010 Tour de Georgia. Well, Unfortunately, there will be no 2010 Tour to Georgia. For the second year in a row, the Tour of Georgia has been canceled. And once again, this has to do with the fact that they've been unable to find sponsorship. Tom Saddlemeyer, the one of the board members of the Tour of Georgia Foundation, was quoted in Bicycle Retailer saying, quote, this was not an easy decision, but one that was best in the current economic climate. The board of directors and our advisors did all we could to tailor a race to fit within the economic realities of today, and we are understandably disappointed in this announcement, but we are committed to bringing back the tour as soon as possible. Bicycle Retailer goes on to say that over the time span from 2003 to 2008, the Tour of Georgia brought in 3.2 million spectators, a lot of whom traveled to Georgia from outside of the state and generated a direct economic impact of over $186 million. And the 2008 Tour of Georgia alone brought in more than $38.6 million in direct economic impact for the state of Georgia. What that says is, if the Tour of Georgia does want to continue and they're able to find the sponsorship, the state of Georgia does stand to benefit as a result. So perhaps this Tour of Georgia might look the state house to see if they can't help find a way to make the 2011 tour of Georgia a reality. 
Meanwhile, I think if I asked many of you in the audience, well, who is David's favorite cycling team out there? Well, a year or so ago, you would have said Team CSC. This year, you'd say Team Saxo Bank. Next year, I'm not quite sure what you'll say because Saxo Bank has decided to pull out of its sponsorship deal with Team Saxo Bank a year earlier than originally planned. You'll recall that Saxo Bank is a multinational banking corporation, and they were originally uh, a co-title sponsor of the team with CSC, and then this year, or last year in 2009, they became the sole title sponsor of the team. According to bank director Lars Seller Christensen, the sponsorship deal had not been optimal in reaching the bank's limited target group. Quoted with uh, Europe's TV2 News, he said, quote, seen from a general branding angle, it's been very effective, but in relation to our narrow target audience, it's not optimal. But don't cry for Bjarne Reese and his extremely successful band of racers because they have already enrolled U.S. software group SunGuard as a new sponsor for the team. Now, it doesn't sound like SunGuard will end up being the title sponsor in 2011, but I don't think that it hurts that they were able to sign up SunGuard so quickly after the departure of Saxo Bank. According to Bjarne Reese, quote, the whole team are excited about this new agreement and they can't wait to get the season underway. Meanwhile, SunGuard's chief marketing officer, Brian Robbins, said, quote, We see great potential to improve SunGuard's brand awareness and visibility as a global IT company by sponsoring Team Saxo Bank. Personally, I knew nothing about SunGuard, and for somebody who considers himself a geek, I, I was kind of surprised at that. But anyway, I went to their website at sungard.com and learned that SunGuard is one of the world's leading software and IT services companies and that they serve more than 25,000 customers in more than 70 countries. They provide software and processing solutions for financial services, higher education, and the public sector, and they also provide disaster recovery services, managed IT services, information availability consulting services, and business continuity management software. And if you understand all of that, let me know. They have annual revenue exceeding $5 billion, billion with a B, folks, and they're ranked 435 on the Fortune 500 list. Certainly no small potatoes, and I think by attracting a company like this, Bjarne Reese is going to have absolutely no trouble bringing on more sponsors as Saxo Bank prepares to depart at the end of this season. And since we're talking about professional cycling news, that means that it must be time for our Lance Armstrong News of the Week. And I have quite a bit of Lance Armstrong news for you. Seems like as I go through my new feed, news feeds preparing for the show every week, I end up with just a ton of Lance Armstrong stories. And there's a couple of good ones this week, including this one, which I think is great. Lance Armstrong came forward in the wake of the disastrous earthquake that occurred in Haiti last week, and his Live Strong Foundation is planned to send $250,000 as aid to Haiti. In a video message on his website, Lance Armstrong said the following. Greetings, everyone, from Adelaide, right here in beautiful South Australia, due to start the tour down under any day now. But I think what's on top of everybody's minds uh, is the earthquake in Haiti and the devastation we've all seen uh, on television or in the newspaper or on the internet. Uh, some say more than 100,000 lives lost. Um, on behalf of Livestrong and everybody at our organization, we'd like to pledge $250,000 uh, for the relief efforts down there uh, for two primary organizations, uh, Paul Farmer's organization, Partners in Health, great friends of ours doing great work uh, in that country and also Doctors Without Borders. So if you'd like to help support these organizations as well, go to livestrongblog.org uh, and check it out. Uh, but in the meantime, our thoughts and our prayers go out to everyone down there, from the president all the way down to the citizens, uh, to people that are, that are either ill before or suffering now. Uh, best of luck to you. Uh, we'll be thinking about you and live strong. A generous gesture from Lance, uh, especially in light of the fact that uh, he's absolutely right. The, the whole world is watching down there. So if you'd like to support Lance and Livestrong's efforts to uh, assist the victims of the Haiti earthquake, do go to www.livestrongblog.org. And of course, I've got a link in the show notes. Now, Lance mentioned in that video that he was down in Adelaide for the tour down under, and he did it again 
just before the tour down under, he tweeted that he wanted to have a ride, uh, saying on Twitter, come one, come all. And they sure did. More than 5,000 cyclists joined Lance Armstrong last Saturday for a ride that he announced on Twitter. I think throwing the streets of Adelaide into pure chaos. According to Lance, quote, I personally don't think that anyone will top the turnout we had today. That was a huge amount of people. The field stretched for kilometers and kilometers. And when we turned back, there was just streams of people. Lance Armstrong was joined by pal Robbie McEwen and their 5,000 closest friends as they gathered at the Wigley Reserve outside of Adelaide, the venue for the tour down under, and they went along a coastal road to Semaphore Park and back again for a distance of about 19 miles. Meanwhile, Lance and the premier of South Australia, Mike Rann, are getting a bit of a raking over the coals by the press in South Australia. Now, call me naive. But according to press reports, Lance Armstrong is getting, well, you can call it an honorarium, you can call it a fee, call it whatever you like, but according to the press, he's getting a payment for his appearance in the Tour Down Under. And I suppose that's where my naivete comes in. I never realized that professional cyclists could be given a fee by a local state or municipality or country simply for showing up and taking part in the events down there. I always just figured that that was part of what they did as pro cyclists, and they got paid by their sponsors and by their teams, and if they won, and and that was that. But at least according to the press down there, Lance's fee for appearing in the tour down under this year could be as high as $2 million. And that's why they're having such a problem with the fact that last week Lance came out at a press conference and endorsed South Australia's Mike ran the premier, in his re-election bid, especially perhaps in light of the quote that's been going around in the Australian press where Lance said, quote, to be honest, I don't know who he's running against. It's safe to say that over the course of the last 12 months, we've become friends. I've got to know the man on a personal level. What people don't see is throughout the year, we constantly communicate and keep in touch on things he's doing here in South Australia, but also things that are going on in our world. As a result, Ran, who's refusing to disclose how much the government has paid Lance Armstrong to ride in the event, well, Ran is getting raked over the coals for bringing in and paying such a high-profile athlete to come in and at the same time give him an endorsement. For instance, independent member of parliament David Winderlich said that Armstrong's fee was, quote, backdoor political advertising. The payment to Lance follows another undisclosed fee that was paid to tennis legend John McEnroe, who also made a public appearance with Mr. Rand last week, and also follows the Victorian government's disclosure that they paid Tiger Woods one and a half million dollars to play in the Australian Masters last October. As far as not disclosing Lance's fee, Tourism Minister Jane Lomax-Smith said that disclosing his fee would put the tour down under at risk, saying, quote, there are many people who'd like to steal our major events and our sports and arts activities. We don't want to help those people who we know are sniffing around by giving them an idea of how they're managed. But of course, the big professional cycling news of the week is the fact that the Santos Tour Down Under is underway in South Australia, down in Adelaide, starting off on Sunday with the 2010 Cancer Council Prelude Classic, a 51-kilometer event around Adelaide, won by Greg Henderson of Team Sky, second place going to his teammate Christopher Sutton, also of Team Sky, and third going to Andre Greipel of Team High Road. Fourth place that day to Robbie McEwen, fifth to Baden Cook, sixth Graham Brown, seventh Alan Davis, eighth Jose Rojas, ninth Anthony Rivard, and tenth Manuel Cardozo. Now here's the interesting thing. This classic race is a prelude to the six-stage 800-kilometer tour down under, which started yesterday on Tuesday. The last two riders to win the classic, Andre Greipel and Alan Davis, have subsequently gone on to win the tour down under. So who was it that went on to win stage one yesterday? The 141-kilometer event from Clare to Tanunda 
Andre Greipel from Team HTC Columbia in three hours, 15 minutes and 30 seconds, followed by Gert Stiegmans from Team Radio Shack, third going to Jurgen Rolentz from Omega Pharma Lotto, fourth, Danilo Weiss, and fifth, Greg Henderson from Team Sky. At the end of yesterday's stage one, the general classification had Andre Greipel up on top. And in today's stage two, which finished just a few short minutes ago, up on top once again at the end of today's 133-kilometer stage, Andre Greipel from Team HTC Columbia, second going to Greg Henderson from Team Sky, third, Robbie McEwen from Team Katusha, fourth to Robbie Hunter from Garmin Transition, fifth, Graham Brown from Robobank, sixth, Alan Davis from Team Astana, seventh, Danilo Weiss from BMC, eighth, Luke Roberts from Milram, ninth, Baden Cook from Team Saxo Bank, and tenth, to Jose Rojas from Castaparna. So after two stages of this year's 2010 Santos Tour Down Under, the provisional general classification has Andre Greipel on top, second, Greg Henderson from Team Sky at 14 seconds back, Gert Stiegmans in third, Robbie McEwen in fourth, and Jurgen Rolands in fifth from Omega Pharma Lotto. As a result of today's stage win, Andre Greipel has now won seven out of the 11 stages he has ridden at the Santos Tour Down Under. And you can add to that his win in the 2008 Cancer Council Classic, which makes eight wins out of 13 starts. After his stage win today, Andre Greipel was quoted talking about how tired he was, saying, quote, I'm surprised how tired I am today. Even with the break, we were happy to let it go. Eight or more minutes out because we could claw back the time. In the end, it was like the finish two years ago. I waited a long time again before starting my sprint, and we won again. Greipel added, that's why we're here, to perform well, and it's nice to win in a German town. Greipel was asked whether he can relax after winning two stages, and he said, quote, there's nothing to relax for although we're yet to know how good we will be tomorrow. So that's where we're at in this year's 2010 Santos Tour Down Under. I'll have more results for you on next week's episode of the Fredcast. But if you're looking to keep up on what's going on at the Tour Down Under, you can do it the same way that I am. I'm actually using an iPhone app developed specifically for this year's Santos Tour Down Under. And I've put a link in the show notes to where you can find that iPhone app in the Apple iTunes app store. And rounding out our professional cycling coverage for this week's episode of the Fredcast, a follow-up to a story that I talked to you about several weeks ago about professional, a former professional world downhill champion, Missy Giovi. Missy entered a guilty plea on conspiracy charges related to the marijuana smuggling charges that I told you about recently. The 37-year-old Missy Giovi was arrested along with 26-year-old Tamara Geegly and 30-year-old Eric Canori in New York in June. And as a result of her arrest, where agents seized more than 300 pounds of marijuana, and as a result of Giovi's agreement to plead guilty and to cooperate with prosecutors, Giovi is going to get a reduced sentence. That sentence scheduled to be handed down on March 25th. But even with this plea agreement and all of her cooperation, it looks like Missy could go away for as much as five years in prison. More details as they become available. We'll certainly learn more in March, and I'll make sure to bring that information to you here on the Fredcast. And finally tonight, two art-related stories, the first having to do with Titus Cycles. You're familiar with Titus. They are using Facebook uh, to launch a contest that they are calling the Titus Human Billboard Volunteer Program. One lucky winner of this contest is going to win a complete Titus FTM carbon bike. And the way that you win is by creating a tattoo design letting them know via their Facebook page how and where you plan to place this tattoo. Then fans of Titus on Facebook will rate the tattoo and your placement ideas. And the winner will get the free tattoo and the bicycle. According to Jeff Titone, marketing director of Titus Cycles, quote, Titus has always had a passionate fan base. And what better way to reward owner loyalty 
than with a new bike. In the current economic climate where advertising budgets are limited, we have the unique challenge of trying to reach as many customers as possible while keeping advertising campaigns cost-effective, Titone said. The unique two-pronged approach of our latest campaign, using both traditional print and social media, allows us to reach the maximum amount of consumers while allowing us to keep advertising expenses in check. According to Bart Steiner, Chief Executive Officer of Bulbstorm, which is the company that's providing the software behind the application on Facebook, quote, Fan Ideas makes it simple and fun for fans to share their passion for brands by sharing their ideas with friends. We've seen Fan Ideas drive growth of a brand's fan base by 400 times in as little as two months. Everyone loves to share their own ideas with their friends. So I went over to the Facebook fan page and yeah, lots of people with some great ideas as far as designs. A lot of them talking about putting these things, well, pretty much where you would expect, kind of like where the sun don't shine. A couple of people talking about putting them on their calf. One guy talking about putting it on his throat and uh, people talking about putting them on their biceps and on their backs. So go ahead and take a look. I'll put a link in the show notes to the Titus fan page on Facebook. And by the way, if any of you Fredcast listeners submit your design, not only do you have the opportunity of winning that bike, but 100 people who go on and rate designs also have the opportunity to win t-shirts. But if any of you Fredcast listeners win, please let me know. I would love to uh, showcase your artwork on my webpage for everyone to see once it's placed in its proper location. Well, within reason, of course. And finally tonight, speaking of art, you'll recall that we had an interview with Kathleen King, also known on his Twitter as uh, Bike Chick. We had an interview with her during Interbike because she was part of our Interbike TV correspondent team as we went out and created videos for various companies during this year's show. Kathleen had the opportunity recently to go up to Atascadero, California, where she created her first of what sound like could be many bicycle murals featuring her famous bike scribble design. She created it on the wall of Cayman Cycle and Run up in Atascadero, and it is a really cool site. I've got a link in the show notes to where you can learn more about it. But most importantly, one of the reasons that I'm talking to you about it here is because I've actually also started a new project of my own. I was asked by Jeff Helfand of VeloReviews.com. Uh, I was honored, in fact, when he asked me to host his new podcast, The Velo Reviews Podcast. And on this week's episode, which will be coming out momentarily, uh, there is an interview of Kathleen King where she talks specifically about this mural up in Atascadero that she did for K-Man Cycle and Run. So I urge you to watch my Twitter feed, watch the blog for a link to the new Velo Reviews Podcast. And in the meantime, Go to Kathleen's blog at surfeitofpassion.blogspot.com or just go to the show notes at www.thefredcast.com. As I commented on the Velo Reviews podcast, I have a feeling that Kathleen is on her way to becoming the Wyland of the cycling world. Good luck, Kathleen. And with that story, here ends the news for this episode of the Fredcast Cycling Podcast. Now, before we get into the features for this week's show, just a couple of announcements first, starting with what I just talked about in the previous news story, and that is I want you to go to www.velloreviews.com right now because chances are by the time you're hearing this episode of the Fredcast, our inaugural episode of the Velo Reviews podcast is now available for your listening pleasure. It's rather long, but it is content rich, and I am really excited about sort of the news magazine format of the Velo Reviews podcast. So go ahead and check that out. It's an exciting new project for me, for the folks over at Velo Reviews, and I hope that you will become a subscriber and that you will enjoy that as much as hopefully you enjoy the Fredcast. Also, I want to remind you that we do still have spots available for the Fredcast Tour of the French Alps coming up August 21st through the 28th, 2010. And as you well know, uh, professional cyclist or former professional cyclist Tyler Hamilton will be joining us on that tour to give us insights 
along every single kilometer of that route because we're going to be on some of the most famous Tour de France routes in the French Alps, some beautiful country. I I know that it was tough for people to go in 2009, but I really believe that 2010 things are looking up. I'm hoping that we're going to get enough people on this year's trip. So sign up now at www.vivatravels.com. And once again, I do have links in the show notes. I am really looking forward to riding with all of you this coming August in France. Well, going on right now is the Tour Down Under. And for those of you in the United States, if you want to watch this on television, well, you want to watch the Versus Network, formerly called Outdoor Life Network, or OLN. But here's the problem. Many of you in the United States get your television, not from cable, not from over-the-air programming, but from satellite programming from DirecTV. The problem is that DirecTV and Versus, Versus owned by Comcast now, are locked in a bit of a battle that has temporarily, we hope, taken Versus off your DirecTV feed. As you would expect, in as in any business decision or contract negotiation, a lot of this really boils down to money. And simply, the fees that are paid between the networks, the, the, the companies that provide the programming, and the television providers, be they the cable companies or the satellite companies. And the contract between Versus and DirecTV expired on August 31st. Now, they say that negotiations continued, but that they broke down simply over whether or not customers would have to pay extra to see Versus on DirecTV. In other words, what they were going to do was DirecTV was going to say, this isn't just part of your basic programming package. We're going to put it into one of the tiered programming packages so that if you want to get Versus, you've got to bump up to another tier. And according to Versus, in a letter written by their president, Jamie Davis, they weren't interested in having Versus being put on a tier. Now, I've been contacting DirecTV and Versus, and according to a DirecTV spokesman, he said, quote, while we haven't yet come to a deal, we are active in, actively negotiating with Comcast and Versus to try and get something done. That statement coming just yesterday from Darius Gringeri, a spokesperson for DirecTV. I have also received some word from Versus that they're interested in providing a comment to you, the Fredcast listener. I'll bring that to you as soon as I can. In the meantime, what can you do? Well, if you're a DirecTV subscriber, absolutely. Go on to DirecTV's website and let them know how you feel about it. You might want to do the same thing for Versus. Pressure gets a lot of things done. As I said earlier, this is indeed all about money. And if they know how important this is to you, the paying customer, chances are a deal will get done. As soon as I've got that word from Versus, I'll bring it to you here on the Fredcast. I'd love to hear from you and hear your comments about the situation, thefredcast at gmail.com. And speaking of feedback, you know, every once in a while, I hit on a story here on the show that I just know is going to generate a lot of feedback. And that happened very recently when I read to you a story talking about cyclists and the use of headphones when they're out riding. And I asked you for your feedback. And I got to tell you, I got more feedback on this topic than any other story in recent memory. For instance, Here's just a smattering of comments I received from your fellow listeners. Listener Chris said, I've never cared to cycle with headphones for two reasons. One, I want to enjoy the sounds of the world around me. And two, I'm listening to tire noise behind me. I wouldn't tell someone else they shouldn't do it, but I do tell people that I think it will impair their sense of what's going on around them. Not just because you can't hear, which removing the left earbud solves, but because you won't be listening to what you hear from the outside world because you're carefully paying attention to what you hear from your earbud. I don't think it's especially dangerous. I'd much rather lecture people about lane position, predictability, or defensive practices at intersections. I hate lecturing, though, so I'd rather just talk about the latest Grupo training or even the weather. I think that many of us cyclists make far too big a deal of the little things. The important thing is that you're doing something active and you're not spewing noxious fumes while doing it. Listener Mike said, in response to the Guardian story on biking with iPods, 
I regularly listen to headphones while biking. I find it helps me focus. I'm not sure if it does that for everyone, but it does help me to enjoy the ride. I listen to music, podcasts like this one, and news. I do use both headphones, but I do keep the volume low enough to hear traffic. When I lived in a city, people did complain to me that I didn't hear them saying hello when biking by with my headphones, yet I always heard cars in the distance. When trail riding, I've always heard the passing calls or bells from other riders. All that said, when I lived in New York City, riding in traffic there is a whole different level from anywhere else I've ridden. I've also been a bike courier in Boston and bike commuted in most Northeast U.S. cities. Only in New York City is there a level of traffic flying at you from all directions, both car or altogether cars, pedestrians, bikes, etc., at all times, that there I find headphones distracting instead of calming. Personally, I know how to use headphones while riding and have been doing so for almost 30 years. I've seen people use headphones properly and people who do not know how to use them. I've seen cars blasting distracting levels of music with nary a complaint from legislators. The issue in all of these cases is responsible use, not whether its use is responsible. According to listener David, I never listen to audio while cycling. Never. I feel that I could do so in a safe way with low levels, but I just don't want to take the chance. Too many times I've had close calls or incidents with drivers, other cyclists, and pedestrians. In my opinions, the ones I have avoided were because I was using all of my senses to stay alert and aware. Travis said via Twitter, I ride in New York City with the cheap Apple headphones. I find that I can still hear just as well and keep the music low. Listener Keenan, I just listened to your most recent podcast and wanted to respond to your article on cycling with headphones. I personally don't believe it's ever a good idea to ride with headphones unless you're stationary. The ability to hear traffic approaching from behind, at blind intersections, or the dog that's about to tear my foot off is just too valuable. Not to mention, it annoys me when I'm overtaking another cyclist on the greenways in my area and they can't hear me telling them that I'm there due to their use of headphones. I would love to be able to listen to the Fredcast on long, monotonous training rides, but being able to hear what's going on around me is just too important for my safety. Listener Canality, I hope I said that right. I'm a casual rider, but a regular listener. I have about 100 miles of trails in my area that I can ride, and when I go out for solo rides, I stick to these trails. Traffic here is much too unsafe in an SUV, much less on a bike. On the trail, I listen to my iPod because there's no motor vehicles. But if I go on a club ride with a group, I don't use the iPod. We take some road sections on those rides, and it would interfere with the social aspect of group rides. Also, here in Florida, cyclists are required to observe traffic laws, and statutes prohibit operating a vehicle with any device that impairs or reduces hearing. A police officer friend once told me that that was to ensure nothing impaired motorists from hearing emergency vehicles, and it's also a moving violation. Listener Chris said, I was just listening to your piece about headphones. It is seldom enforced and little known, but in the state of Washington, operating a vehicle while wearing headphones is illegal. Bicycles are vehicles here, and wearing earphones, be it one or two, can earn you a $124 ticket. I would suggest a little caution when asking people to listen responsibly when cycling. There's no responsible iPod cycling here. It's just flat-out illegal. And I would imagine this is a case in other states in the United States. Listener Michael said, I've been listening to the podcast for about six months, and I enjoy it. I listen to music or podcasts while cycling, but only under restricted circumstances, never while commuting around town and even the relatively mild cross-traffic of Duluth, Minnesota. Yes, while cruising up the shore of Lake Superior on Scenic 61, which has an ample shoulder, and yes, on bike trails. In general, I feel that my awareness is compromised by music, but there are some times when this compromise just isn't serious. According to listener John, personally, I rarely listen to headphones for safety reasons. I need to hear what's going on around me. However, I do have a speaker set up for my cruiser bike, and I'm working at using amateur radio while riding, which only uses one earbud. On the other hand, I've scared the daylights out of scores of other cyclists, joggers, walkers, and skateboarders as they had their tunes loud enough as to not hear my bell or my on-your-left call. I pass such folks with care as you can never be sure which way they'll jump, and you can usually tell they're oblivious to the world. Listener Neil sent in a rather long response, but one that I thought was interesting and that you might like. 
He said, you asked for feedback on the whole, should we listen to stuff while we ride issue? Like so many things, people get all whacked out about things and don't keep them in perspective. Without a doubt, listening to stuff takes your attention from the task at hand, making you less proficient at the task at hand. Period. So what? Do we outlaw radios and cars? Do we make it illegal to have a conversation with your passenger while you drive a car? People do this stuff to take their mind off what they're doing. I listen to all sorts of stuff while driving in the truck, including the Fredcast, to give my mind something to do besides being numbed into senselessness by the traffic around me. No doubt in my mind that doing so makes me a less safe driver. Exactly why? When the weather gets really nasty, I drive in silence. I also talk on the phone while I drive. I know I'm a bad person for doing this, according to some people. But put this all in perspective. Creating more safety on the road can be achieved by outlying all distractions. I just don't think we want to go that far. I think we're willing to accept some risks as a culture. What price are we willing to pay for total safety? All this logic above is exactly why I don't listen to my iPod while I ride. I love riding my bike. Just handling it, getting it ready for a ride makes me feel good and look forward to the ride. Why on earth would I numb myself to the great joy that I get from riding? Why would I distract myself? I have a couple of buddies who I ride with, who on long rides, as in six or eight hours, will listen to their iPod. When they do this, it really separates them from me on the ride. I might as well be riding alone. The minor little chatter that happens as you ride, the extended conversations, all of that falls by the wayside. So my opinion is, leave the iPod in the truck and ride the bike. There are so many aspects of our life where we cut ourselves off from the people around us and fall into this media world that we plug ourselves into. We need to find more ways to plug into the world around us and the people around us instead of shutting them out with earphones. But for heaven's sake, this is not something to be legislated. The last thing we need is more invasion into how we live our lives by legislative agencies. Sure, we sacrifice a little safety, but look around at all the other places in your life where you do that gladly. Leave the iPod at home because you'll enjoy the ride more and you'll enjoy your friends more. Plus, all that sweat just can't be good for those little things. I really enjoyed that one, by the way. I got another long email from listener Sean who said, I was really happy to hear this subject brought up on the Fredcast. This is something I felt very passionate about for many years. I listen to music and radio, both on the bike and on motorcycles and in the car. I use helmet speakers on the bike. The subject first got my attention about 30 years ago when I was in the military. The base commander banned the Walkman, everybody remember Walkmans, for pedestrians on base because it distracted the runners and walkers from traffic. The fear was that in your musical fugue, you might stroll into an intersection and get hit by a car. At the time, I regularly used music to help me with my run and workout. While bicycling, especially race training, I listened to music on earphones and talk radio on my 50-mile round-trip commute for about 10 years. I use helmet speakers when I go on long motorcycle trips. I no longer listen on the bike because I just enjoy talking to myself more than I used to, but I'm still passionate about making laws to prevent people from doing so, and I have a problem with the assumptions made about listening in public and in traffic. I agree this is an issue of attention, and certainly many people lose their ability to focus on their surroundings when listening to music, but this is a learned skill, not a biological defect. My dog used to run in front of cars until I trained him not to. Oversimplifying? I don't think so. My point is that concentration on traffic and danger is a learned skill. Ask any motorcyclist. Even without distractions, motorcycling requires hyper-awareness of your surroundings. You must stay alert to traffic in all directions, and you must assume that you'll be hit by a distracted motorist. This is not cynicism, but safety consciousness. While looking ahead into oncoming traffic at intersections, checking the mirrors for tailgaters, watching the road for potholes, and working the controls, you must be fully engaged in your entire environment at all times. If I can't add a little music to this, I will have reached my attention limit, if that is possible. Cycling requires the same awareness, in my opinion. Look at air traffic controllers, pilots, infantry soldiers, brain surgeons. Can you imagine a surgeon who can't operate because someone's nose is whistling? We all have to train ourselves to be alert, and no amount of legislation can change that. Also, what do I gain from hearing traffic? If I'm driving in my car and a dump truck driver behind me drops a cigarette in his lap and just in time looks up, sees me on his bumper and blows the horn, can I do something to avoid the collision? Probably not. When cycling, are you listening to traffic to help you maneuver the bike safely? I doubt it. 
but many people think so. The point is, you cannot depend on your hearing in traffic to make you safe. You need to look at everything, always. I'm concerned about what people think they might hear that will help them avoid an accident. In 1981, I was driving my topless Jeep on the Washington, D.C. Beltway at 11 p.m. at 55 miles an hour when I heard a very loud engine behind me. I checked the mirror, saw rapidly approaching headlights, turned my head to look, and pow, I was hit from behind by a car going more than 100 miles per hour. There was nothing I could do. I was next to the median wall. I suffered eight rib fractures, a punctured lung, three crushed wrist bones, and a broken arm. I heard everything quite well. I understand that some folks zone out when they get their tunage on, but I disagree that banning earphones will save lives. The 30% rise in bike fatalities this year in April, May, and June that you talked about may be attributable to more iPod listeners, but probably, in my humble opinion, due to the increased number of cyclists on the road as well. I agree that there's a problem with inattention to traffic, but I think that texting, talking on the phone, screaming at kids in the backseat are far more dangerous. Then again, all of these are training deficits, not the fault of the devices themselves. And finally, from listener Paul, who starts out with a wonderful comment. He says, great show, Dave, and you're a great advocate for the hobby and making it safer. I see the whole Idaho law, as well as the headphone issue, as hurting our case regarding other road safety issues. It's hard to get the public to see this both ways. Clearly, we have the right to our space on the road, but if this is our case, we need to follow the rules of the road. That means obeying all signs and signals and not driving with headphones in our ears. A driver who watches us roll through a stop sign will only interpret our action as thumbing our nose at the law. I like the idea of a handlebar-mounted speaker mentioned by Fred from Toronto. I'm convinced that bike-specific GPS devices are about to be surpassed by the convenience of the iPhone anyway, and the speaker function could allow cyclists to listen to the Fredcast safely while riding. Time to amend the podcast logo and lose the headphones. You should consistently promote safety, not just when it's convenient for us. Keep up the great job on the show. There's no better source of cycling news out there. Well, I couldn't agree with that more. Anyway, the point is that there are just a myriad number of views on this topic. I've only given you a sampling of the comments that I received from you and your fellow listeners. You come down, obviously, on every side of this issue. Am I planning on losing the headphones in the logo? Yeah, probably not. Uh, not because I want to encourage you to listen to the show on your headphones while you're riding, but because it's really sort of iconic, just the fact that there's a cyclist who's listening to an iPod. That's the reason why it's there. Whether you choose to ride with headphones or not, whether it's legal or illegal where you live, the point is that this attention to what's going on in your surroundings is the most important thing. You know, there's lots of people who talk about banning cell phones while driving cars. Um, we've already, in a lot of cases, banned handheld cell phones. So you have to use hands-free devices while you drive. Obviously, we've talked about texting. The issue is that there's a lot of things that drivers do in their cars that distract them while they're driving. And it doesn't just stop with cell phones. If you're on a hands-free device, how different really is that from talking to the passenger in the seat next to you? And if you're going to ban the use of cell phones, are you also going to ban eating and putting on makeup and talking to the kids and dealing with the dog in the back seat and all of those other things that drivers do? Is is the solution banning the use of headphones while riding your bike? Or is the solution somewhere in between? Banning things that distract you. Like many of your fellow listeners said, they listen to music, they listen to podcasts, but they listen at a low level. Or they listen with only one headphone in their ears, which is what is the law in many locations, at least here in the United States. Or... I've now seen headphones that don't go in your ears. They actually resonate through the bones in your temple to create the sound in your head. As a matter of fact, I've got a pair of those on their way to me now so that I can check them out and give you a review on them. The point is you have to do that which is safest for you. If you are someone who's distracted 
by listening to music or podcasts while you ride your bike. Even if it's legal to do so where you live, if you're going to be distracted, don't listen. If, on the other hand, it's illegal where you live to use any headphones when you ride your bike, then don't do it. As I've talked about when it comes to stop signs and stoplights and bike lanes, being good cycling citizens means exactly as our fellow listeners said in some of those comments, it means following the laws because otherwise the animosity will continue. Otherwise, you'll increase the danger. What I want is for all of you to be around for your friends and for your family and for listening to the Fredcast. So feel free to send in more comments, but I think you've got a pretty good idea that this is a topic that energizes people and once again, one on which there are many, many views. The most important thing, ride safely out there. So speaking of listening to audio while you're riding the bike, if you are not in a location where it's legal to use headphones or if you don't feel safe doing so, but you still want to listen to audio, say perhaps you're on a charity ride and you want to share some audio with your friends or you just enjoy riding and listening to music or podcasts while you ride, well, you really only have a couple of options. Now, a couple of years ago here on the show, uh, I reviewed a saddlebag uh, that was called Cycle Sound that went onto uh, underneath your, your saddle, just like where you would put your uh, bag that would have tools or a spare tube or CO2 cartridges, etc. cetera. Uh, it took a number of batteries. You would insert your iPod or your iPhone in there, connect it up with a wire, uh, and then it played very loud, very clear sound, and I gave it a favorable review. Well, at the last couple of outdoor retailer shows, you may recall that we've done some interviews with a company that produces a product called Sci-Fi, C-Y, bullet, F-I, Sci-Fi. And it's billed as the world's first wireless sports speaker. And it's uh, compatible with the iPhone 3G, 3GS, and iPod. For non-Bluetooth-capable versions of those devices, you can get a version of the Sci-Fi that puts a little uh, bug, if you will, into the iPod connector at the bottom of the iPod that then uses a technology called Clear to transmit that audio to the speaker wirelessly. Or if you have a Bluetooth-compatible device, for instance, an iPhone 3G or an iPhone 3GS, you can buy the Bluetooth-compatible version of the Sci-Fi for transmitting the audio via Bluetooth to the speaker. The speaker is mountable. It's wireless. It weighs less than four ounces. And using the transmitter that I talked about earlier, it can broadcast sound up to 30 feet away from the device. According to the manufacturer, battery life is about six hours without needing to recharge. And the way that it recharges is that the sci-fi comes with a docking station into which you insert the sci-fi for it to charge. You can change tracks, volume and playlists from the speaker itself with just one hand so that you don't have to fumble around, grab your phone or your iPod while you're riding. And therefore, it eliminates some of those safety concerns that we just talked about with using regular earphones while you're riding. The retail price on the standard version is $149, the Bluetooth version $129, and that includes the speaker, the docking station for charging, the transmitter where necessary, and all necessary mounting brackets. It's water-resistant and shock-resistant, and the one that uses the transmitter uses this clear technology, which transmits a CD-quality digital, digital wireless audio at the 2.4 gigahertz band, very similar to your wireless phones or a lot of wireless phones. It's available in three color schemes, red and black, black and black, or silver and black. Now, I have tried the Sci-Fi. They sent me one, again, for full disclosure, they sent me one for review. I had a chance to try it. And I've got to say, the sound quality is good. I felt that the sound quality of the cycle sound was much better, but there were trade-offs there. The Sci-Fi is very light, it's wireless, uh, and it doesn't take up that space underneath my seat where I want to have my saddlebag for my uh, 
my tubes and my tools and things like that. So definite trade-offs. Plus, I don't have those heavy batteries that I did with the cycle sound. That was a definite drawback of that device. Uh, the difference in the sound, uh, this one's a little bit trebly for me. Uh, some of you may, may call that a little bit tinny, but very loud, certainly easy to hear. Uh, in a lot of cases, it was clearer and more uh, easy to make out sounds than using tiny iPod earbuds. The design is modern and attractive and definitely looks good on the handlebars, but it does take up some handlebar real estate, especially for those of us who have uh, cycle computers or uh, cycling GPSs or power meters. So you need to keep that in mind as well. Although I'm sure if you wanted to, you could probably mount it on the top tube of your bike. I like the charging cradle. I thought that, that was a really cool way to recharge the batteries. And by using rechargeable batteries, kept the weight down on the device. My only concern is one place that I could definitely see using a product like this would be on a multi-day ride, maybe an MS ride uh, or a RAGBRAI type of event. And my problem is that I'm not going to want to carry the charging cradle with me on an event like that. So I'd want to be concerned about uh, how long those batteries would last. Overall, a good product, definitely one that I, I would recommend, certainly using much more advanced technology, much more advanced technology than the Cycle Sound that we tested a couple of years ago. Is it a product that I would recommend? Definitely go ahead and check it out. I put a link in the show notes to where you can find information on this product on Amazon. It's called the Sci-Fi Wireless Sport Speaker. Go ahead and check it out. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Fredcast, episode number 143, our first of 2010, the first of many. Got a lot of exciting things planned for this year, including coming up a new sponsor that I think you're going to be very interested in, and I think we'll be talking about that on next week's show. In the meantime, once again, I want to thank our sponsor for this week's show, and that is Epic Planet at epicplanet.tv slash fredcast underscore bundle where you can get that fredcast epic tucson bundle thank you so much to epic planet for their sponsorship of the fredcast and thank you for your support of epic planet also i want to thank you for your donations at www.thefredcast.com and also for supporting our affiliate sponsors uh, we have many affiliate sponsors now all of them have been fantastic to allow uh, the Fredcast to sign on to their programs, including Amazon, Delta Airlines, Epic Planet, Jensen USA, iTunes, Tiger GPS, Map My Ride, and several others. So go ahead and check that out at www.thefredcast.com. And while you're there, it's a great time to check out what's going on with the Fredcast and find all the different ways to contact us. The best way to keep track of what is going on day to day is to follow our Twitter feed. That's twitter.com slash fredcast. Of course, if you want to send me an email, my email address is thefredcast at gmail.com or use our new contact telephone number at area code 661-513-FRED. That's 661-513-3733. The website, once again, is www.thefredcast.com. Well, it's time at the end of the show. As it always is, for, well, I've been getting a lot of emails from people saying this is one of their favorite parts of the show, and that's great. It's our pod safe cycling music. The music I've picked out today is one that I heard on a video that I'm going to be talking about on next week's show. Just a little teaser for you there. And it comes to us from the pod safe music network at music.mevio.com. The band is called The Watermarks. The song is called Remember to Forget. And I have links in the show notes to where you can find them on Mevio, where you can find them on the video we're going to be talking about next week, where you can find their own website and where you can buy their music on iTunes. We will be back again very soon with another episode of the Fredcast. But between this show and the next, enjoy the music. But most of all, enjoy the ride.